Cheers! Kampai! Salute! Gambe! Skull! Prost! Hello, and welcome to the Drunken Storytellers podcast, where I tell folk tales and folklore from around the globe. So sit back, grab yourself a drink, and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 13, Unlucky for Some, where things might get a little bit spooky. Probably not, though, but we'll see. I will be exploring in this episode the depths of fear and horror and superstition around that fabled number. The number, the greatest number, the most fearful number, the number of my birth. Yeah, 13. It's not exactly the number of the beast, but it's my 13th episode. I was going to do some real folklore, like I said in my last episode, but I'm not. (laughs) I am going to be telling a story at the end of this that kind of has a little bit of connection, kinda, maybe. I'll let you decide on that one, but I wasn't going to leave you without a story. But yeah, I was born on uh, the most unlucky day of the year. I was born on Friday the 13th. And it kind of explains a little bit about me, shall I say. If you've met me, well, Friday the 13th explains a lot. Because I do prefer the darker things of the life. With this being the 13th episode, and with me being on Friday, the th- born on Friday the 13th, but obviously not now because it's not like a 13th, Friday the 13th or anything. When was the last Friday the 13th? Well, when is it this year? Let's have a look at my calendar. Anything in January? Not in January. Uh, not in February. Not in March. Not April. Not May. Not June. Not July. August? Yeah, there's one in August. Okay, so there's usually one a year. But yeah, so this year, Friday the 13th, is in August. To uh, kind of celebrate this spectacular, or not spectacular, because there's not really much spookiness going on in this. I lie. Because we're talking about the number 13, I have some Hop House 13 lager. Uh, let's get on with this. Um, I've got... Lots of facts about the number 13, connections to like folklore and superstitions and stuff. And then I've got a story to tell at the end. It's kind of connected. It's I'll let you decide as to kind of how strong the connection is with the number 13. It's not really connected to 13. But anyway, let's have a little bit of a natter about number 13. There's lots of, obviously, folklore superstitions and things around numbers and there's numerology and all that kind of stuff. But I won't be looking into it that often. I just thought 13, because why not? I don't know. 13 is, obviously, it's considered to be quite unlucky, but mostly only in Western society. In Asia, it's kind of just considered to be a normal number. I did see some things where China, some parts of China, consider it lucky for a reason, but I couldn't find anything to back that up, so I'm not going to mention that here, other than that. They do consider, however, the number four to be unlucky in China, because as you say it, and read it in Chinese, Korean, and Japanese, it sounds similar to the word for death, she, so in Japanese. But yeah, we're not talking about number four, we're talking about number 13. Uh, In the US, it's thought that about 10% of the population believe the number 13 to be bad luck. And around 80, yes, that's 80% of buildings uh, in the US don't have a 13th floor. And now I find this a bit odd being from England because we label floors differently. So here in the UK, we start with the ground floor and then we go ground floor, one, two, three, four, five, blah, 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 blah. Where in the US, their ground floor is considered to be floor number one. So it'd be ground floor two, three, four, five, six. So... From my point of view, they don't have a 12th floor um, and do have a 13th. So, yeah, that must confuse a lot of Americans. Uh, Of just what does what? I've written something here that doesn't really make any sense. I've written just to piss off the ancient Sumerians who used a base 12 system that has defined so much of our life. 
like the 12 months, the two 12-hour parts of the day, or the 12 days of Christmas, for example. I'm not quite sure why I wrote that, but I'll leave this sentence in here because it's kind of interesting. In some math circles and science circles, 12 is considered a perfect number for various reasons that I'm not going to go into and bore you, uh, which has led some people to think that 13, being the next next one along, is is a poor number. And it's a little bit boring mathematically and scientifically. There's not really too much involved within it. So there is, there is there's some fun names here that I'm going to try and pronounce. Um, the name for having a fear of the number 13 is Triskaidekaphobia. And then there are name there are two names for fear of Friday the thirteenth. I'm not sure why there are two, um, but there are. So and here's my attempt at trying to pronounce them: Paraskavedeka triophobia and Frigatriskadekaphobia. Yeah, words. Why why is thirteen considered unlucky? And and kind of where where does this all arise from? There are a few theories about this, and the two kind of biggest ones that people relate it to is um, the first one we've got the connection to the bible and the last supper at the last supper there was jesus and his 12 disciples hence there being 13 people one of these was was the arch bastard judas iscariot who betrayed jesus and so the idea was that judas is the 13th person to sit at the table and therefore connect him with the number but there is in the bible it doesn't actually state what order they sat down in or anything like that so just there were 13 people one of them was bad so 13 is bad uh, but most of the story, kind of strong co- connections with bad luck actually only appear in kind of like late 19th century when the Victorians get hold of it. You might look at some of that in a minute. I can't remember what I've written down here, so we'll see. Uh, the other one, the other kind of big one is connected to Loki, uh, the Norse god of mischief. God kind of depends on who you ask and what kind of cosmology you believe around the Norse gods there. At, uh, in a very similar line to the Last Supper, there was a feast of the Azir and the Vanir. Uh, Twelve gods were sitting down to a feast. Uh, and Loki decided to come along uninvited because Loki did that kind of shit. So he was the 13th god. And it was at this feast that he managed to get Hodir to shoot Beldur with a mistletoe arrow, uh, which was the only way for Beldur to be killed. And so, yeah, uh, the 13th god turns up, convinces one god to shoot another, which kills one of the gods. So, 13, bad luck. So those are the most common ways to explain why 13 is bad juju. Bad juju. No, juju bad. And so, But there are some other connections. <laughs> this is kind of, when I was researching this, I kind of went down a bit of a uh, um, rabbit hole and got massively distracted because it's kind of funny. Well, it's not funny, but it's kind of interesting in the bizarre kind of way so there is the Hammurabi's code Uh, it's the Babylonian book of law from around 1780 BCE Um, and the reason we people kind of think it might be the first written down proof of 13 being unlucky is the 13th law is omitted from the text and so people kind of have, have connected that to a belief that the Babylonians thought the number 13 was unlucky however it's not quite true so the original version of the code is recorded on an eight-foot-tall, massive black basalt stella in cuneiform. Um, so it's just like this massive, massive stone block with all the writing on it and all the laws written on it. There's like 200 and something of them. And you can go to the Louvre to go and see it if you want to. But it is missing... So all of the laws are numbered from 1 to 200 and something else. However, number 13 and number 66 to 99 are not there. So... Either someone can't count or they were missed off this for some specific reason. 
Um, so it's not just the third number 13. There's also 33 numbers from 66 to 99 missing. It's not that the laws are crossed out. It's just literally it goes like, one, thou shalt not kill. Two, don't steal from your neighbor. Three, blah, 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 blah. Four, and then it goes to 12, don't do this. 14, don't do this, blah, blah, blah. It goes 63, something, something, something. 100, something, something, something. It's not like anything's crossed out or anything. So some people have kind of put this down to a clerical error, as in someone can't count. And so when they were typing things out and they just kind of like forgot that there were numbers between 66 and 99. I don't know. Um, but there's kind of it was kind of hard to pin down in the time frame that I work with when I research these episodes. Which is, it's it's not that long, to be fair. Well, it is, actually. I spend about, probably takes me a full day to create an episode. So research-wise, uh, recording and editing, as in like 24 hours. It probably takes me about 24 full hours to make one of these episodes. Which is, considering I've been putting them out on a weekly basis, I've now gone to a bi-weekly basis because of this. It's pretty impressive. So talking about research, um, so I was, I was saying it's hard to pin down kind of why these numbers were, were missing and I didn't really want to go into a kind of a full-on historical research onto the Hammurabi's code. But what I did, did start doing is I was reading some of the, the, the bizarre laws that they had. Um, some of them are quite progressive and also some of them are quite weird and some of them are quite disturbing as well. So he's got things like if anyone brings an accusation of any crime before the elders and does not prove what he has charged, he shall, if it be a capital offence charged, be put to death. So basically, uh, if you if you accuse somebody and you don't have evidence for it, you're the one who's going to get buggered. You're the one who's going to get killed. Which is uh, it's quite progressive. That. It's like you must have evidence that somebody did something. Otherwise, bad shit's going to happen to you. Um, there's articles on minimum wage as well within it that you must pay your workers a certain amount of money. And then there's some really obscure and nasty punishments. So um, if you are having an illicit affair, shall we say, and you are plotting with your affairy, is that is that going to be a word? I'm going to use that, yeah, affairy, um, the person you're boinking, and you, you start to plot against your spouse, the person you're actually meant to be with, and a court, you're going to be impaled on a big stick. So don't do not do that. that that's, that's not good. Sons, don't hit your dad because uh, your hands will be hewn off. Yeah, no, no, no smacking your, your parents. Um, and then there's also kind of like a maybe a more fair version of witch trials in a way. So basically meaning you needed proof or you're buggered. A bit like the, the kind of crime which I mentioned above there. If you are accused of witchcraft, you can ask for a trial by ordeal where the accused man, and it does state man in the, in the, the text. So um, yeah, so where an accused man could jump into a river, if they drowned, then the accuser the person who said that that person is a witch, would get the, the witch's house. But if they were spared by the gods and escaped unhurt, then the accuser would be executed, and the one who was meant to be the witch uh, would get the accuser's house instead. I kind of like this as a witch trial, because it's really going to stop people randomly accusing people of being a witch for no other reason than that they're just superstitious assholes. I kind of like that one. But yeah, so as I said, I kind of... um. I went down a rabbit hole of reading this. There's some other really bizarre stuff. There's some quite violent punishments in there. I would recommend going and having a look at some of them. But yeah, it's kind of, as I say, it's it's kept in the Louvre, this big black rock with cuneiform writing on it. I do like the look of cuneiform, like all those little carved out triangle words and stuff. Um, but it's 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 not the oldest law text, uh, but it's apparently one of the best preserved, organised and longest law texts from ancient times. 
Uh, another connection to 13, um, and it being unlucky, is the connection to the lunar cycle. So in some of the lunar calendars, there's 13 months in a lunar year, uh, which the Mayans liked. So the whole 2012 apocalypse thing comes from the Mayan calendar, where at the end of the 13th Bakhtun, um, it was meant to be the harbinger of the apocalypse. Um, but we're here, so either we're currently going through the harbinger phrases and the apocalypse is on its way. Because things have, since like 2012, things have slowly gotten worse throughout the world. So maybe, maybe they are onto something. Like we're still in the middle of the pandemic uh, at the moment. Yeah, in England, the rules are slowly being relaxed, but we're not going to get into the politics of that at the moment. But yeah, so the, the we could be going through the apocalypse. It's just a very slow one, slow dwindling apocalypse. What else have we got? We got 13 full moons in a year caused issues for monks who made calendars. So here's another connection with it. Basically, the annoyance was that it messed up the dates for certain church festivals throughout the year. Um, and that each time a year had 13 full moons in it, they kind of had to move everything around because the months you suddenly, go, oh my God, I've got like 12 months and 13 months and now I need to move everything around and all the dates are messed up. Ah, no, I've got to do extra work. Ah, shut up, you lazy monk. So this, this is basically uh, monks being lazy because they can't be bothered to correct calendars. And so therefore 13 became unlucky because of that. Eh. Considering there's only like 37 uh, years out of 100 where you get 13 full moons a year. It happens like once every three or four years apparently. So they're just being lazy bastards. Learn some maths and do, do some stuff. But then we moved to the Gregorian calendar and then used the 12 month calendar and got rid of lunar cycles and stuff. As you can see, there's no real one answer to the real fruit of why the number is unlucky, other than that some of the ideas we've just heard. In regards to the connection to Friday, why is Friday the 13th unlucky? That's even harder to pin down as to why 13 is considered unlucky. So there's multiple reasons, as I said, about 13. Um, but it kind of... I suppose it's, it's, it's probably the Victorians, those pesky Victorians, as the folklorists love the Victorians. So in the old days in England, Britain, uh, in England, in Britain, in England, in Britain, they're one and the same. Yeah, well, anyway, Friday was Hangman's Day. It was the day you were going to get hung if you were uh, accused of something that would get you the hanging. So obviously, uh, not, not a good day for a criminal. Jesus was crucified on a Friday. Uh, back to the lunar calendar there. And just obviously that date changes every year because Easter moves around because it's based on the lunar cycle. So Jesus was not crucified on a Friday. Uh, also, at the time he was crucified, Friday didn't exist. Uh, ha. So yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it kind of seems that it was, it was, as I say, pesky Victorians who made the connections to Friday and the number 13, making it a doubly unlucky day because it's the 13th day and 13 is unlucky. And then it's a Friday which is connected to the church and, and death and things. So unlucky. Oh, that reminds me. I was, uh, what was it? I was listening to, who was it I was listening to? The History and Folklore podcast. And on their, their mining episode they just released this week, they talked about Friday being unlucky for miners. And I can't remember why. Yeah, go listen to that because it was a really interesting episode. They talk about, about the history of mining and then kind of into some of the folklore. Obviously, you get to get into the Cornish folklore of knockers and then moving into America and the Tommy knockers. But they also she also goes into mining folklore from around the world. Really cool episode. Really liked it. Has a really nice calming voice as well, unlike my droney crap that I talk about in my drunken state that I usually am in. 
Next, we have in my notes a list of bullet points, quite a few bullet points of random facts and things about the number 13 or Friday the 13th, where some of them are good and some of them are bad. Things that have happened on the Friday the 13th, things that just involve the number 13 in general, and things like that. The first one we have, bullet point number one, King Philip IV of France arrested hundreds of Knight Templars on Friday the 13th of October 1307, and then proceeded to violently and vehemently torture and kill most of them, because uh, basically King Philip owed them a lot of money, and he didn't really want to pay it, so he tortured confessions of heresy out of them, and then burnt them at the stake. So, lesson to you. Don't borrow money off the King of France because he's likely to burn you, torture you and burn you at the stake. Uh, it's kind of one of the reasons why the, the order of the, the Knights Templars ended, as it kind of got rid of way too many of them. Cool. So that's, that's, that's bullet point number two. Friday the 13th of October 1989, 682 years after the Templars were destroyed for money reasons. Ooh, spooky connection here. Ooh, no. Other than the fact it's Friday the 13th of October and Friday the 13th of October, there's no real connection here. But yeah, on the on this day, there was a mini stock market crash. Um, nowhere near as big or as disastrous as the Lehman Brothers crash of 2008, but big enough to get it called Black Friday by some. It caused a 6.9% drop in the Dow Jones in one day. So it's actually quite a, quite a hefty drop. Uh, we have um, something quite funny happening in Ireland in 2013 uh, with vehicle registration plates. Yeah, that's right, reg plates. Um, apparently there was enough concern in the Irish car market that because of the way they write their plates, where they put the year, the first two digits of the, the registration plate is the year, so it would be 13 A, B, C, D, E, F, or whatever the thing was, or, or 12 A, B, C, D, E, F. You'd put the first two, two numbers of the year um, there was fear that having 13 as the first number on the registration plate would cause a drop in sales. So um, they made special dispensation for that year. And any cars registered in that year in Ireland for the first half of the year start with 131. And in the second half start with 132. <laughs> uh, that's a bit mental, that, I find. Um, so, yeah, they were worried that about that and um, obviously the luck of the Irish was apparently not strong enough to hold out against the, the, the unluckiness of the number 13 there. Next one we're going to jump from Ireland to Finland where one Friday the 13th of each year because there's usually one is known as National Accident Day uh, and it's dedicated to bringing awareness about uh, automotive and workplace safety and accidents because why not? Yeah, I kind of I, I saw that one. I was like, "Oh, that's really cool." I'm kind of playing on the on the superstitions there. Today's your unlucky day, so let's talk to you about things that can go wrong on this day and hurt you. Now we've gone from we've done America, we've done France, we've done Finland, and we've done Ireland. Let's go to space because that makes sense. Uh, so obviously we have. The seventh crewed mission to space and the third to attempt a lunar landing, Apollo 13. Yeah, that's right. Apollo 13 was the seventh crewed mission. So this faithful mission, um, I'm guessing most people will have heard of it. If not, where the fuck have you been living your entire life? Um, the faithful mission, it lasted for, oh, lasted for about 180 hours, I think. I've not written that down here. But yeah, about 56 hours or so into the mission, um, the cryogenic oxygen tank failed. 
um, and it had to. It led to the mission, the mission being aborted. And instead of landing on the moon, it did a flyby um, of the moon uh, to get the astronauts home. It is an absolutely outstanding piece of human ingenuity that got these people home and actually managed to get them to survive and get them back to Earth safely when they were running out of oxygen because their oxygen scrubbers had effectively failed. It's absolutely insane. The movie does not do it justice, I don't think. It's an alright movie, um, if you like Tom Hanks. Yeah, so yeah, I would definitely recommend having a look at that. Uh, the next one, we're going to actually stay in space. Uh, or stay with the theme of space. We're going to go for a NASA one. Um, where some people think that the space shuttle missions, were na- uh, their names were changed. So that there wouldn't be a STS-13 mission. Um, and this is frankly not true. It's even kind of stated on various pla- on various NASA websites and things, uh, the actual reasoning behind it, which is far too long and complicated to go into here. But I think it's all missions after STS-9 got renamed. So 13 became STS-41C. It was actually ended up being the 11th mission, not the 13th for various reasons. And the astronauts of the actual 13th mission made themselves an unofficial mission patch, which had a black cat and the number 13 on it. Because astronauts, people who are highly logical uh, beings, are not very superstitious. So they kind of did it as a bit of a comedy thing. And even cooler about the 13th mission is that it returned to Earth safely after 133 orbits in space on Friday the 13th of what month? Go on, guess it. What month do you think this is? Friday the 13th of... October! Because October seems to be a thing, seems to have a thing for Friday the 13th. So that's kind of cool. The 13th mission landed on Friday the 13th. In 1984, so it was in 1984, 133 eight days in space. So there you go, a bit of space knowledge for you. Let's come back to Earth and just some random, I think a lot of this is kind of quick stuff now. Uh, 13 is the age that Jewish boys have their bar mitzvah and are considered adults. The 13th card in the tarot deck is death, but this is not a bad omen. It's not a good omen either. It's just kind of, it signifies major changes within one's life. It doesn't actually mean death itself. So there's no good or bad connection to the card itself. Talking of cards, we a normal deck of cards has four suits made of 13 cards. There's that connection. There are 13 signs in the astronomical zodiac. That's what I'm going to say on that one. Uh, a baker's dozen, uh, for some reason, is 13. There is a kind of reason for that, but it's not really... I don't know whether it's true or not, because there's lots of kind of contradicting people saying whether it was or not wasn't. But yeah, so 13 It's sometimes called the devil's dozen. Um, in UK, bakers had to sell goods by the dozen, so uh, at a specific weight or quality. Um, so to do this, um, bakers who sold a dozen units that failed to meet this requirement could be penalised with a massive fine. So to avoid getting a fine, some bakers included an extra unit to be sure the minimum weight was met, bringing the total up to 13, hence a baker's dozen. Don't know why it's called a devil's dozen. If anybody does know that and wants to tell me, please do. I couldn't be bothered to look it up. 13 um, was also seen as lucky in France before World War One and was quite often seen on postcards and trinkets and charms and things. And in American traditional tattoo styles, uh, 13 is seen as a lucky number. Uh, You'll quite often see people with a 13 tattoo on them in a kind of uh, neo-traditional style, and it's often found with other lucky or unlucky items like a black cat or a horseshoe. So there you go. Loads of information about the number 13. Next, what do we have? 
So uh, what do we have next? I don't know. Um, so yeah, look at my notes. Give me a second here. Not all things related to 13 are obviously then considered unlucky. So uh, there are some good meanings, some bad meanings, and some just, I don't know, other things. Um, if you kind of want to see and hear about more things that kind of have multiple meanings, uh, definitely go have a listen to Fabulous Folklore with Icy Sedgwick. Uh, have a listen to her episodes that she's just done on plants, because these have many, many, many different meanings. All plants have like seven million different meanings, which is kind of mental. Also, Fabulous Folklore is is a brilliant podcast. They're like 10-minute episodes where she just covers so much information. So that's my, my shout-out for the moment for, for podcasts. Go listen to folk, Fabulous Folklore. Uh, so there you go. That was a bit of information about number 13. Um, I thought this was going to be a bit of a short episode, but I've just looked at the time. Kind of like, what, I don't know, 25, 30 minutes into it. So uh, I thought I would uh, make this a lot quicker, but it's longer than I thought it was going to be. So we're going to still do the story. Uh, and it's going to be a Ukrainian folk tale. I'm telling. It's not about the number 13. It's about unlucky things or unlucky days, shall we say. Um, it's a short folktale that I found. I think it's an open source material, but I'm not sure. So I've actually rewritten a lot of it to make sure that it's not copyrighted. So I edited this and it's, it's a Ukrainian folktale, as I say, and it's called The Story of the Unlucky Days. Here we go. Sit down and relax and listen to a story about a douchebag. On the edge of the steps, at the end of a village, there lived two brothers. One was rich and one was poor. One day the poor brother went to visit his richer sibling and sat at his table because, you know, that's what that's what siblings do. They go and speak to each other and they, they sit at each other's tables and have a coffee and have a natter and all that kind of stuff. But the rich brother was a douchebag and he drove him out with some harsh words. How dare you sit at my table? Be off. The proper place for you is in the fields to scare away them crows. Go be a scarecrow. So, upset by the words, the poor brother went into the fields to scare away the crows. Crows generally being scared of people, not just men with straw stuffed down their pants and coming out their ears, uh, stuck to a pole, all did actually fly off at his arrival. But among the crows, however, there sat a raven. Ooh, the raven was not scared and he did not flee. But he did speak to the poor brother. Oi, you man! You'll never be able to live in this village, for here there is neither luck nor happiness for you. But, tell you what, if you go into another village, I think you shall do well there. I think you shall. Uh, the man looked at the, the raven like, bloody hell, a speaking bird? Better listen to that. So, being the sensible type who does listen to birds, and not like the crazy type, obviously, who listens to birds. Because listening and talking to birds is not crazy. He went straight home, got his family, packed his meagre belongings into his lone cardboard box that he owned because he was poor. He, he got them and he moved to the next village. As any sane man would do after a bird has just told you to, because apparently there's no luck in this village for you, obviously. Yeah, on, on his journey, he was, he was leaving the village, kind of walking down the road with his family. He was kind of being dragged along, just felt a little bit slow, and he noticed that the unlucky days were still clinging to him, begging and pleading with him. Why do you leave and not take us with us? We will never leave you, for you are ours. We will be unlucky for you 
of all the days to come, for we are the unlucky days. <laughs> but please don't leave us. So the poor brother, carrying this extra weight of the unthirsty days with him, he grew thirsty after a time and went down to a river for a drink. He crouched down, took out his water skin and entered the top. And as is the one in uh, fairy tales, uh, somehow he miraculously persuaded the unlucky days to get in his water skin. Guessing the conversation kind of went something like this. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Look what's inside my water skin. You'll never believe what's inside my water skin. Just like those dumbass videos you get, it's like, which are titled, You'll never believe what happens when they do this. And you end up watching a stupid video where nothing fucking happens for like 10 minutes. And then at the end, the video just ends and you're like, what the fuck actually happened there? However, in this case, uh, something does actually happen because apparently unlucky days are just as stupid as those people who watch the videos that, who believe that there was something interesting will happen. Nothing does. So the unlucky days got right into the water skin, trying to see what was in there and going, oh, I bet there's something really cool in there. But obviously not. Uh, the brother quickly stopped the skin and trapped the unlucky days inside. He buried the skin then in the banks of the river, hiding it away. Happy to have gotten rid of the unlucky days, he went on with his family, heading to the next village. When he arrived at the village, there just so happened to be an empty hut where, not too long ago, the previous owners have died of hunger. Not a great way to be introduced to your no home. It's like, oh look, here's a cool place. Yeah, it's fine, no one lives here anymore. Yeah, no, 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 they died of hunger a couple of days ago. Oh, oh what, so like, there's no food in this village then? It's like, Sweet, yeah, I, I've always wanted to live in a place where my family's going to die of hunger. Whatever floats your boat, sir. They move it, move in they did, and after a few days of settling in and emptying out that one box of things that they owned, they were sat in the garden, uh, kind of playing and just kind of going, well, we're poor, we've got nothing else to do, so what are we going to do? I know, let's, let's kind of play with grass, because that's the toys that the kids get. They get grass and mud. But while they were doing this, suddenly they heard a yell from up in the mountains. Catch hold! Catch hold! Catch hold! The man got up quickly and ran to his stable that has somehow miraculously peered out of nowhere and is now full of bits and reins that he somehow remembers being there but never having owned any before. So he took some and climbed the mountain thinking nothing of it. Looking all around he eventually saw that there was an old goat with two great horns on his head. Nothing unusual here. Why, why mention the horns at all? Goats usually have horns, don't they? There's nothing sinister about that at all. No, it's not the devil. No, not at all. Nothing bad is going to happen. No. Obviously, the man didn't know this or any of this stuff. And thinking his luck had finally changed, he's like, wow, there's a goat there. I'll, I'll put the bits and the reins onto it and I'll go and take the goat down to my stable that I've now got because I now have a stable. Wow, how cool is this? I feel like a king. And so he, he managed to kind of do this, put the bits and the reins on the goats, and he managed to finally drag a stubborn goat down the mountain. Because you know what? Goats are stubborn. They don't generally do what you want them to do. But he, he managed it. And then he got down. And lo and behold, wow, he's got a brand spanking new barn there. And he tries to take the, the goat up the ladder into the barn. Because now he has a ladder and a barn and a stable and a goat. And reins and bits that he had nothing of before. Yeah, okay, whatever. So anyway, he, he managed to somehow convince the goat to go up the, the ladder. And after all the effort he took to get the damn thing up there, 
the damn goat just ups and disappears. Gone. Poof. Vamoosed. Um, and feeling let down by all the effort he just put in uh, to get this goat here, thinking, oh, great, goat, milk, cheese. And if I'm desperate, I can kill the thing and have some food. Uh, he, and he's just like, oh, crap. Oh, well, what a shame. I've still got a barn, though. Uh, so he, he plonked himself down and just kind of was breathing heavily to, to relax himself after all the exertion, where suddenly he got showered with money. And I'm going to guess here that it wasn't a strong shower because money falling on you is really going to hurt a bit. And it's going to do some damage. But somehow he did survive being pelted with all this money and he managed to fill up two large coffers with coins. Now I do have a question here for you, you dear listeners. How big is a coffer? Any clue? It's not like an SI unit in science or maths or anything. It's not like one of your standard units. Maybe it's a standard unit in folklore. I don't know. Is it? How big's a coffer? How big's a large coffer? A small coffer? Is like a large coffer enough to hold like 50 coins or 500 coins? I have no way of knowing. Answers on a postcard, please. So the poor man was no longer poor. With his large coffers of money that we don't know how much hold a house, a stable, and a barn that came out of nowhere. He was now well-to-do. And not going to die of hunger like the last residents of this house. He was a nice man, and the nice man that he was, he sent some of his people, who he just found like laying about, not really doing anything. Um, he does seem to be good at finding things and getting all manner of stuff out of this, doesn't he? So we'll give him this one. So, yeah, so he sends him off to go ask his rich bro if he wanted to come and live with him. Rich brother pondered this, not really believing the people, thinking that maybe his brother was actually hungry because people tend to die of starvation around here, apparently, and then people move into their houses without paying for anything. So he thought, perhaps I should get him some food, and managed to get some people to bake a good amount of fat pancakes for him, because why not? He's my brother. He's probably hungry. I'll go take him some food. Trying to be the nice brother. The rich brother then set out with his food to go visit his now rich brother. On the way he heard that his brother had actually grown rich and the further he went along the more he heard about his brother's wealth. On hearing this he regretted about getting all these pancakes made and so with them being heavy to carry and all that malarkey he just threw them into a dutch somewhere along the way never to be mentioned again in this entire story. When he got to his brother's house and saw how rich he was he was gripped with envy. Is anyone actually surprised about where this story is going? Did did you not see it coming like from the moment that he kicked his poor brother out to go and scare the crows? Honestly, come on. And anyway, yeah, so he, he, was, en- he was envious and he grew green in the face. Uh, and I kind of probably should look up green in the face one day and tell you where it comes from. Because whenever I say it, I always think of a man with like dollar bills pasted to his face. Like those old dollar bills, not the new plastic ones, but like the old green paper ones plastered to their face. I don't know why. Either that or the Jolly Green Giant. One of the two. I'm now thinking of peas, damn it. Now, Super Rich Brother said, Look now, Rich Brother, I have actually buried a lot more money in a waterskin down by the river, which you may have passed along as you came up here. Go dig it up if you like and keep it. I've got I've got loads here. I don't need any more. You can go and go and have it. Yeah, go, go have fun. Go dig in the mud. Go play in the mud. And not needing to be told twice, because douche Rich Brother is a douche, he nearly ran out the door and off to the river, forgetting to bring a spade or a shovel. He just got down on his hands and knees and was shoveling with his hands, just shifting the dirt everywhere, getting mucky, dirting his Sunday bests and stuff like that. And eventually he did find the waterskin in his haste and not noticing how light and lacking in money it felt. He opened the waterskin greedily, but 
No sooner had he opened it than the unlucky days jumped out and clung to him. Your hours now, boy, they said. And he went home, feeling very let down and a little annoyed at the deception, and also troubled by the unlucky days now clinging to him. When he got home, however, he found that all his wealth had been turned into a heap of ashes, including his house. So he went and lived in the place where his brother had once lived, and the unlucky days lived with him ever after. And the moral of the story here is, don't be a douche. Don't be a rich douchebag. And that goes out to all the rich conservative pricks in the world. Anyway, so that's it for this episode. Um, as I say, that story, it's not connected to the number 13, because I couldn't really find an interesting story connected to the number 13 that was kind of folkloric, so I went for unlucky. And that was just a kind of interesting, unlucky, different part of the world story um, than I've done before. Next week I do, not next week, next episode I do promise I will actually do, I've got a couple of things in my mind, uh, either Tamlin or Kelpies, probably Tamlin, I can tell the Ballad of Tamlin, because it's just really nice, it's a really cool story, talk about some sealies and unsealies and things. Yeah, that's it for this episode, um, I hope you enjoyed it, uh, please do all the following things on Spotify and Apple and all that kind of stuff rate me and leave me comments and things because you know it's kind of cool if you do i'd love it if you did and share me around like on the social media platformy stuff things that we do and uh, let me know what you think about what i do because i don't get any feedback so i never know but i do have people listening so people must like it i don't think anybody ever makes it to this part of the the, the episode anyway and they kind of get bored and turn off when i say all this kind of stuff so i can say what i like Anyway, you can, uh, uh, before I go into that bit, oh, marathon is what I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about my marathon. I am running the marathon, the London Marathon in October, October the 3rd. And I'm running it for No Man Is An Island, a charity which is run by one of my friends. They are a cancer, they are a charity, they are not a cancer, they are a charity set up to uh, end HPV and anal cancer. They're part of the HPV and Anal Cancer Foundation. They want to stop 5% of cancers from throughout the world caused by the HPV virus. Human, human papillona virus. Um, it's fully preventable. There is a shot that can stop this. And they want to go out and teach people doing this. So I'm running the London Marathon for them. I'm going to include links to where you can donate for me uh, in the show notes. So please do click on that. Uh, even if it's just like the price of a cup of coffee. It would be much appreciated. So please do that. Um, you can also find me on Strava and on Facebook. I Facebook and Twitter. I occasionally post photos and videos of my sweaty face running. Uh, I've not done much recently because I did injure myself, but hopefully going to get back to it soon properly. Anyway, yeah, talking about Facebook and Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at the Drunken Store One. You can find me on Facebook as the Drunken Storyteller. And you can email me at the Drunken Storyteller UK at gmail.com for all sorts of things. Uh, where else can you find me? I'm going to be on Friday, this Friday, which is going to be the 23rd of April 2021. I'm going to be playing some Changeling the Lost um, over on Onyx Path Publishing's Twitch service. So Onyx Path is the company who's actually made Changeling the Lost. And I'm going to be playing it with Wes from Carrying Comfort Studios and some other cool people. Tom Murr is also running it. Um, he's a brilliant, brilliant uh, GM. You can also find me over on Darker Days Radio, where we talk about horror-themed RPGs, mainly the world and Chronicles of Darkness, and sometimes Warhammer RPGs. We're still doing 
uh, Enemy Within campaign. It's kind of coming up to the closing closing sessions. Uh, we're doing that over on Gehenna Gaming. And yeah, that's that. Um, I have got plans to run some live streams games on my own Twitch service. Uh, the Drunken Storyteller Twitch. Uh, they'll be starting sometime in mid-May. Uh, it's going to be things from the flood. And I'm I'm hoping that Vessens are going to happen. Things have gone quiet on that front at the moment. But yeah, all that is left to say is thank you. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please do let me know. Thank you and goodbye, good night, sayonara, oyasumi nasai, and all that kind of malarkey. Or good day if you're listening to it in the morning. Anyway, I'm signing off now. <laughs>